Amazingly, we're in the same room. Yeah. At the same time, we haven't had to ask anybody for this to happen. It just worked out on this one day that our shifts, <laughs> the stars have aligned. I know. <laughs> We've we got are. the one match off. <laughs> together but but the thing is um we're recording what day is it i i do with night shifts get a little bit i know it's i know it's bin day so it's it's got to be wednesday and we're doing this in the gap when daniel medvedev is on yes and the danger is he can go through his opponents quite quickly so we do have the live scores in front of us because we're both on the match for separate people after medvedev so um this is either going to be a normal length podcast or quite a short one. Yeah, if it just ends. <laughs> just ends. Just like, I mean, he's already a breakup, so, uh, and they've played one game. Well, if it just ends because we're together, it means you've run out of batteries. <laughs> no. Again. No, full battery, ready to go. We've got uh, lights, yeah. we've got batteries, we've got Indian Wells. We have. Indian mm. Wells off and running. Well, we're quite far into it now. It's, uh, yeah, been quite... Uh, day seven? Day seven? Oh, I'm not and sure. It's a long one. Oh. Our women's predictions are out. Yeah, it didn't um, go well. Yeah. But I mean, to be fair, that's, I mean, that's was always going to happen. Well, we, did you go Medvedev? No, you didn't. For the I men's. did, yeah. Did you? Oh, no, right. Okay. So yeah, we, we played it safe. And your women's, was it Magruth? I was, I was thinking about no, this. No, it was Zachary in the end. Oh, yeah. so I was sending you all these gloaty messages when Magruth lost going, she's out. And you're going, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't even your player. Okay. Yeah. It's, and I had Andreescu. Yes, you did. There's been a lot of shocks. I'm wondering, is it is it tiredness on some counts? Because we've just done a match with Kasparud, who looks toast. He's played over 60 matches this year. He's got five titles. And normally we get to this year, look, this is normally at the other end of the Masters, when people are fresh and they're having fun and they play doubles and they just want to play tennis. Now you've got players almost crawling on their hands and knees. They're so tired. Yeah, I mean, it is something that happens... A lot, isn't it? And when we see the sort of the back end of the season, pretty much post US Open, look, I think that's one of the reasons why yeah. the US Open throws up different winners more than the other slams. It's just that it, it starts to become tough, become yeah. a little bit difficult. So, um, yeah, I, it, it is a hard part of the season um, for a, a lot of players. We don't get a huge amount of off season, and people really do sort of hit the beginning of the year hard. And, uh, and you know, and, and keep going, and you've got the move to the clay, to the grass, mm. to the U.S. Open series, and it, it does feel we've like we've got a bubbles, haven't we? Yeah, we've got the sort of. And uh, Diego Schwartzman was talking about this after the match that we've just watched when he beat Kasparud, and he talked about they talked about how difficult it's been, and it just adds. I mean, some players don't go home because they can't go home, and either cost too much at a, at a lower level to get back and do all the tests, or it's just not worth it. Like the players from Australia, when you finally go home, you're locked in a hotel room for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's tough. There, there are so many challenges, even on normal years. It's a long season. It's a tough one. Lots of travel. And uh, uh, yeah, definitely we start to see um, players, particularly the top players. I think it's those top teners. You know, they've picked up a lot of points. They would have won. A, if you're in the top 10, you would have won a lot of matches through the year. That's just sort of how it goes. Like you say, somebody like Kasper Ruud, he's no one's done more winning than him. And it is just really tough to, to sustain that. He did look a little bit, a little bit toast and, Indian Wells, you know, the courts are really, really slow. It's very, very hard on the body. Um, so that really does take his, 
its toll. Um, and a couple of others actually d doing pretty well. I'm quite excited to see if uh, Hubert Hercatch can do the reverse sunshine double with six months off in between. It's not <laughs> yeah. quite the sunshine double because the point of the sunshine double is that you maintain it essentially for four weeks, don't you? Because you play them back to back and that's so impressive and it's very rarely done and all of that. Uh, so he's still going for the sunshine double because he won Miami yeah. ages ago. I feel like we should still give it to him the if he wins down, it. The upside back to front will probably never happen like this again, sunshine double. Yeah, I mean, if there was ever an asterisk, it's it's here, isn't it? <laughs> oh, oh, right. Okay. I'm not going to say that word because I always comes out like a comic character, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to say it. But, yeah. I No, but would there be? I mean, it, it's still similar conditions. It's still he's got to do the two. But what you're saying, it's just because there's been... But he's played a lot. Not like he hasn't done anything between them. No, no, of course. I mean, he's been fantastic. But it's just... It's not the Sunshine Double as we know it. I mean, the point of the Sunshine Double is yeah. the back-to-back -back nature of those two events so um oh look it's i think we'll still give it to him i'm just i'm just mentioning that's all i i was leaving for work the other night because we're working remotely so it is we're working through the night and i was saying goodbye and good night to the twins you know say good night and one of them said to me mummy do you have to go to work and i said yeah i've got to work he said i don't want you i don't want you to work i want you to stay here and i said mm -hmm. well mummy's got to work why is why why have you got to work mummy and i said well you know got to pay for things you know, pay for the house pay for the and I said and he was still going you don't need to work and I said you know like the football club and all the he said yes mommy and I said well I work to pay for those and then he said have a good day at work mommy yeah exactly <laughs> great thanks very much <laughs> it was and then he asked me again the other day having forgotten I said well remember it pays for all the the clubs and the activities he said yes you keep you keep working mommy yeah <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Why aren't you at work? <laughs> Why are you at home what are you bumming doing about? Here? Is there something not taking place that you could be working on? Yeah. Maybe that'll be in a few years' time. So I've had my orders. There you go. Just going to keep, night or day, whatever it is, I'm just going to keep going. Well, the good thing is, working in tennis, it, it tends to be fairly relentless. Yeah, it <laughs> so. is. Even the off-season, there are exhibitions that, that pop up. There is, there is always something. I was having a conversation we had on the pod a few weeks ago. I got everything blends into one by this stage of the season about if the season stopped now, who would your WTA player of the year be? I know it was if it stopped now and I went for Krejcikova and you went mm -hmm. for Barty. Yep. And then we just kind of fleshed it out a little bit. I got a bit of abuse from Barty fans. And again, it was nothing against <laughs> Barty. But we moved on a bit and you said, well, hang on a second. If Krejcikova would win US Open or Indian Wells, blah, 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 maybe she'd get the nod. So I was having the conversation before Krejcikova lost was it yesterday or the day before with Lucy Arl, who I'm commentating with on ATP Tennis Radio, and I was telling her about the conversation we had, and I said, you know, it's really swinging between Barty and Krejcikova, and I'm still wondering who it should go to. And she went, Raducanu. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd totally forgotten. And it's amazing, isn't it? It just, I don't know whether it's because it is still so surreal, that, that, that fortnight or the, or the three weeks of qualifying, but she said, what about Emma Raducanu? And I'm thinking... Yes, I, we've never seen anything like it. So does that usurp everything the other players have done over the course of the year? And if that's, if she doesn't win another match for the rest of the year, is she player of the year? No, absolutely not. But why <laughs> not? We, <laughs> no but, way! But you, you have said, as <laughs> I have said, we have never seen anything like that probably in sport being done. Yeah. Therefore, why would she not be your player of the year? Because it's not about that. 
player is it the is best about player that. all year but is of it? 2021. No, it's player yes, of, it is. Who was the player of 2021? It's Emma Raducanu because she did something that no one's ever done before and we still can't believe she did. No, it's not. It is. It's not even a top 10 player. But it doesn't have to be a top 10 player. Why? Because she's done something that no one else has ever done. It's exceptional. Well, and well done to her. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm a massive Raducanu fan, as everybody will know. But no, <laughs> does it qualify you for Player of the Year? Absolutely not. Oh, Just because I it's impressive. She's been to the Met Gala. She met the Duchess of Cambridge. She, none, of this is, none of this is evidence. <laughs> and she played incredible tennis and didn't drop a set. So if you're, we talk about in the UK, BBC Sports Personality of the year and everyone's saying despite it being olympics and paralympics scrap it all she wins so if she's yeah, but that, that's if she's different. nailed on for that why is she not for player of the year when she's done something exceptional because it's, <laughs> it's different because a that's personality Am I winning you round? popularity absolutely no. not mm. no not a chance nowhere near i think it's a ludicrous suggestion absolutely not player of the year being a tennis the thing is we've had this conversation about Emma <laughs> in that she's not been a tennis player but she is a tennis player no she's she won the US champion. Open but she's not been a tennis player on tour at all you can't be the best WTA player of the year when you haven't been on the WTA but surely you can if you've done something as exceptional as she did well, you could if everybody else lost everything else, but they haven't. Barty's had a phenomenal year. Krejcikova has broken through and backed it up. Okay, it wasn't quite as extraordinary as Emma winning the US Open, but she won the French Open and has backed it up since. No, I think this is absolute madness. Madness. I mean, look, pointing, maybe she'll win it at one point. You're pointing point, but at me now. No. This is, you see, normally mm. we're not... Yeah, I'm irritated we're, now. We're, we're <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't believe that irritates you, though, because... It, it cannot be explained how she did something as except if some people someone said to me actually more than one person have said to me we've never seen anything like that in sport yeah not I'd just agree. talking about so you'd, <laughs> I'd agree you'd agree There's nothing so else that compares how, to it so how does she therefore not qualify for being player of the year because if you ask for people's standout moment of 2021 a lot of people, a large majority, maybe even your good self, are going to say Emma Raducanu winning the US Open without dropping a set and coming from nowhere and being 150 in the world. Yeah, it's a great moment. It's yeah. not a great year, though, is it? Oh. Moment of the year wins hands down. Newcomer Tournament of the year wins hands down. Newcomer of the year. When she wins every single category, but player of the year, no, not for me. Well, I'd, I'd love the people listening to get involved in this because... Because otherwise we're going to fall out. <laughs> <laughs> so for the first time in tennis history I'm, I'm getting the look from Naomi that I don't want so people get in touch let us know you can find us individually collectively on social media I I'm, I'm you know I'm going to do a little poll on social media let's just find out oh, cool I just I cannot I find that incredible anyway we we will find out who does win it at some point we've yep. still got the um WTA finals in Guadalajara, some more people, more and more people, not more and more people, but Leila Fernandez, I think, is the latest person saying, I think she's going to be there. Because again, these people are tired. This is, there's been a lot. So she, Bianca Andreescu has already come out of that. Andy Murray recently said that he won't be part of the, the Davis Cup team for Great Britain. He says he doesn't feel he deserves to be part of the team like that, but also in terms of, he hasn't been that good on his body in terms of preparation, spending time with his family before going to Australia. So it's just getting, as you touched on there, there's, there's an awful lot. Emma Raducanu had an outside shot at making it. She lost in her first match at Indian Wells to Alexandra Sasnovich that went on to back it up against Simona Halep. 
Was it a surprise to you? How do you feel Emma Raducanu played when she's been in Indian Wells? I mean, it wasn't great, was it? It was a, a little bit um, flat from Emma. It wasn't the same level that we saw at the US Open, but... Um, you know, that's that's it, isn't it? That's what she hasn't done, you know, ride out the ups and downs and and life on tour. Sasnovich, she's ranked 100, which is a bit of nonsense, isn't it? I mean, it's Sasnovich. She's so much better than that. It, you know, it's, it's sort of surprising. So it's not like she's lost to somebody ranked 100. Um, you know, and, and as you say, Sasnovich beat, beat Halep. You know, she's a real quality tour player. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of experience that uh, Emma, you know, still needs to, pick up or yeah maybe she doesn't maybe she can stop today i mean it doesn't really matter i mean does she have to back it up i don't know like um, if she wins player of the year she might stop done it all yeah player of the year u.s open champion we've got to do something else but it must be i think as as cool calm and collected as she was through that run which in itself was astonishing and look you know her a lot better and her temperament her personality just that how her life changed in that short space of time. It wasn't even a build-up. It was literally, she won it overnight, bang, in terms of millions of followers everywhere, all this stuff going. It must be very hard, as focused as you are as a human being, not to be distracted by what's taking place around you that's something completely different that you've ever known. It's bonkers. Mm. It's, bon- it's, it's literally like you've just been picked up out of your life and just plonked in somebody else's. It is, isn't it? It's mm. absolute insanity. I don't... I don't know how you ever learn to deal with that or, or cope with it, let alone get used to it in the space of a couple of weeks. No way. It's going to take a long time, really, for it to to sink in and settle if there is any sort of coping with it. I mean, yeah, I mean, I've always sort of, well, over the last few weeks, have, I've found myself saying a lot, look, if anyone can deal with it, Emma can. Yeah, yeah. But can anyone deal with it? I don't know. I mean, Osaka clearly struggles with a, a, a large part of... Uh, what comes with the job she would love it to just be about the tennis but you know it's not it, it does come with with more than that and you know the level that emma's going to be operating at will be very similar to that so we shall see you sort of think that she need maybe this is wrong maybe you disagree <laughs> i think you might but sooner rather than later she needs to settle on a coach because there'll continue to be the speculation lists will continue to grow bookies will probably have odds and andy murray will be in mm-hmm. there as her next coach and you just feel the sooner she can because she had a completely different team with her than was with her in the US Open sort of from top to bottom so you feel and again I might be wrong here but looking from the outside that the sooner she can get a settled team and almost go into her bubble so she's she's got those people they've been selected they they get on they spent some time together maybe had a trial period but sooner they can just be in their bubble and go somewhere and get on with it at the moment it's not that she's exposed or out there or vulnerable but you just feel when how many people, you know, Ash Barty talks about we, team. She never talks about I. It's all about the team. Just if she can build, doesn't have to be a massive team, but a good team around her, I don't know, I just feel she can then sort of maybe never quietly again in her life, but just get on with preparing for what's to come. Yes, but it's her choice, isn't it? Because, yeah. you know, it's not like her last coach put a foot wrong and that was clearly mm. successful, but she didn't want to continue that. So... You know, it's sort of weird to see, um, you know, that she's won a Grand Slam, but then things are so uncertain and she yeah, seems quite yeah. unsettled afterwards because, uh, yeah, you've got all of that off-court stuff to deal with of a massive change. You might want to at least keep the on-court stuff fairly stable. But, yeah. you know, look, it's it, it's her choice to to be in this situation, hunting for another coach. So, I mean, I don't think we're going to see anything really announced until later in the year. If she plays any more tournaments, she'll 
be needing somebody to look after her at those events, but I'm sure that would just be temporary and then maybe line up somebody for, for 2022. But yeah, the rumour mill just keeps going. I'm sure there are plenty of coaches throwing their hat in the <laughs> ring uh, to have a crack at that one. Um, yeah, I mean, but I don't expect any sort of announcement anytime soon. Someone who I'm really happy to see having a great... It started at Bad Humbug, didn't it? Angelique Kerber. I'm loving mm. seeing the tennis she's playing, the confidence she's got and, and the results that she's getting. Because I think a lot of people thought after that 2016 she had, she's a, it's a multiple Grand Slam winner, been at number one in the world, that the ranking was starting to go down. And I'm just loving to see, because when she plays at her best, and, and the match with um, Leila Fernandez at, yeah. the, oh, at the US Open was, was just mind-blowing, wasn't so it? So good. Fernandez sort of out Kerbering Kerber and it was just but to see and, and Angelique Kerber as we record this on Wednesday is still going I, I just I just really like seeing Kerber playing as she's playing yeah and she goes on runs doesn't she yeah. as in last time her ranking dropped all the way down into mm. the 20s and then from number one down to the 20s she got it back on track and ended up winning a slam again so she can get right back up to the very very top and uh, it just yeah it she's amazing I'm such a big fan of hers I love watching her at her best because she does stuff that doesn't even really make sense you know she she plays it quite differently you know whether it's the serve technique and she sort of just starts the point with the serve uh, particularly the second serve it's pretty slow and pretty so it doesn't really do anything but she's such a good mover it doesn't matter she's like go on then try and hit a winner see what happens <laughs> uh, and then she's on the counter punch and you're in trouble so always exciting to see her her good at her at her best but i think also we get very excited about the youngsters breaking through and that's mm. great and we love that yeah. and, and super to see them all there but you know there needs to be some experience as well at the top of the game um, yes. because they've got to, you know, earn their way. It's a rite of passage. You've got to beat these players in these big moments, like Layla did against Kerber in like, the US Open. You know, you've got you to take out these Grand Slam champs and, and earn your way to the top. They're not just going to wander off for you. So, I, um, yeah, I very much want to see her back in, back in business. The, the quote of, of the tournament is one that Kaspar Ruud used as a mantra that was handed down from his father, who was working at a tennis academy, and I love it. It's losers find excuses winners find a way isn't that a great mantra to have i know we lost today but i love that it's a great mantra to have i agree but don't you think i know rude's not a teenager anymore but do you think that most teenagers if their dad said that to them would be like oh come on <laughs> leave me alone yes. you might want to say that but no one lives if like i told that. that to my six-year-olds they were like okay mum, great you thanks. just say you just roll your eyes and go whatever yeah i prefer the excuses thanks <laughs> that's just what the majority of people do but rude sort of takes it and he does just find a way but a lot of the reason he found a way in that match is because he's just done so much winning it just mm. sort of happened um yeah he was not the better player uh, there's a better way of phrasing that harris was the better player for uh, the majority of that match but didn't win what i didn't understand during that run of win after win after win through the clay those three yep. clay court tournaments during the tokyo olympics and obviously i was i was out in tokyo keeping you, you're in a, effectively i probably was in a bubble and then i remember looking as i said oh look rude's won again rude's won. and then people afterwards said yeah but they don't really mean anything because the, you know, the the draw wasn't very good and it just you know they're sort of pointless wins no they're not they're not pointless wins because he picked up titles. He picked up confidence. It's all led through to winning his first title on a hard court in, in San Diego. So I don't know why people would say, they were saying, well, they're just ridiculous tournaments to enter. They don't really mean anything because there wasn't anyone of note in the tournament. 
Well, they were two fifties, and in two fifties, you're not going to get all of the top ten playing. That's just how it goes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, Rude maximised, and yeah, you know, I can sort of understand where they're coming from. But the, really? the notion that they don't mean anything is nonsense, really, because you can only play who's in front of exactly. you. The tournaments are on, and um, he did a fantastic job. But there is also the argument he's he's playing very well. He's in the top ten in the world, but he's beaten one top twenty player on a hard court this year um he's i think he beat a few on uh, on clay but as a top tenner you know you're, you're a top 10 player you'd be looking to beat those sorts of players quite a lot so he's not quite done it against those top top guys apart from earlier in the year on the clay he did really well with his semi-final run in monte carlo so where did you sit on the argument of before caroline Wozniacki won australia how could you be number one without winning a Grand Slam? Dinara Safina, how could they be number one without Grand Are they justifiable number ones? They played an awful lot of matches. They earned the points. But there was always the argument there. Are they a deserved number one because they haven't won a Grand Slam? Of course they are. Yeah, like, of course they're, they're absolutely deserving it, for sure. But it's just about the different routes that you can you can take to, to get somewhere. Mm. And, you know, you do need a, a high volume of matches to be able to progress and to, to feel confident. And sometimes you can have these huge wins over Novak Djokovic or Nadal on clay and you can pick up 20 points. It's just, yeah. it's out. It's not fair. <laughs> you know, so of yeah. course it's it's deserving, whichever way it goes. Um, and I was really pleased to see that, you know, Wozniacki got her slam, but... Yeah, she was number one for a long time. She was player of the year, wasn't she? Over and over again, because she's player of the year. That's why you get number one in the world ranking. You don't get slams, do you, for player of the year? You get number one. That's how it goes. Oh, you're slightly scared. We are sitting at a distance. We are, we are, I don't think we have to be anymore, but we are socially no, distanced <laughs> across the table. No, it, look, it's it's an interesting one here, and it, it's very much the, the, the team method, isn't it? Early on when he was playing everything. I remember when he flew across the world to get to Antalya to play on the grass because there was a tournament. And and you would think that they might start to adjust the schedule next year. Yeah, well, I was talking about this on air with Rude, and I was saying that uh, you know it's really difficult because with those players, if there's a tournament on, they want to play it. They want to yeah. be there. They just yeah. think, why would I be sitting at home when there's a tournament to play? This is ridiculous. And don't you prefer playing than training? Oh, I didn't. Well, it depends. It depends on the time. But for a lot of people, they prefer playing over training. But then I thought, why am I saying if there's a tournament? This is tennis. There is a tournament every single week of the year. <laughs> there's always something that you can be playing. You don't have to miss a single week. I think Benoit Paire once got through from the very first week in January all the way through to the French Open without missing a single week of uh, of competition because he is somebody who does not like to train. So he was like, look, I'm only actually going to play tennis if I'm playing matches. <laughs> so and you could make a very good living that way. Of course. And I think I looked at his prize money and it's it's sensational. Yeah, he plays a ridiculous amount of tournaments. And and why yeah, there are those players that I but wasn't it just before you went out to India Wells, I think Cameron Norrie, who's another player having an astonishing twenty twenty one, who had a little bit of a training block. Lucio and working with City saw him at the National Tennis Centre just going through some training. He's back out there again. And he's someone else who currently on court, as we say this, he's a set up on Tommy Paul. And when I was giving the score earlier, I said Paul Norrie and it sounded like a person. <laughs> so Tommy <laughs> Paul, Cameron Norrie, he's a set up. But, but boy, Cameron Norrie, I mean, he's got the matches under his belt. He's got the results and he's having a stellar 2021. Yeah, potential for Turin as well. And that's what we're closing in on now, looking at that chasing pack. It looks like the sort of top 
uh, I think it's six, look fairly set. Rude yeah. looks fairly comfortable. So after the qualified four, you've got Rublev and Berrettini. Yeah. And you can't see them not making it. No, exactly. And then it would sort of be ludicrous that you could win as many matches and titles as Rude and not make the, the final eight. He's seventh so think, right now. I think he will. Um, but really, it is those seventh and eighth spots up for grabs and there's a chasing pack Norrie is a big part of that he's uh, put himself in a really good position again just a high volume of of match wins um big points available in Indian Wells and in Paris of course so that will be those will be the tournaments that decide it as we've seen with Hashanov and Sok before but it's amazing to see how it starts to affect them do you remember when Pablo Carina Busta got to the semi-finals of the US Open and suddenly London became a possibility and he admitted afterwards that he completely froze with the prospect of making London couldn't hit a ball couldn't get a win. He ended up going as an alternate and then playing with the withdrawal of, of Nadal. But he said it, it really affected him. And I'm not saying we saw that in, in Rude today. He's also got that quantity of matches. But it's such a big thing. You are one of the eight best players in the world with your results through the year 2021 as it is. There's a lot of points. There's 1,500 points, so one below the Grand Slam. There's a lot of money as well. I mean, there's big amounts of money. They get looked after like kings and princes at the Tour Finals. It's such a special event to be part of. And you can see how it can start to affect players as they get closer. Now we've got this chasing pack. We've got Rude, Herkatch, Sinner. Ojeliasim. Ojeliasim, Aslan Karatsev. And Nori, I think that is the immediate chasing pack. And yeah, you can try and scoop up some smaller tournaments. You can do whatever it takes, but it's it's amazing how how this carrot that for those players may not have even been on the goal list for 2021 suddenly becomes a possibility. Yeah, it just gets sort of tantalisingly close, yeah. doesn't it? And the urgency to try and win <laughs> is just huge. But I mean, in terms of what it means to reach that, mm. it. it it can't be overstated because they get access to 1500 points. They get match wins per they get points per match wins in the rounds. This is all extra points that players that are outside of that top eight do not have access to because you can argue that for the rest of the year, everybody has access to the same amount of points and yeah. absolutely anybody could end up with all of the points that Djokovic has got if you just go and do it, right? Um, you've got to get into the tournaments. Of course, you've got to work your way up, so it does take a bit of time. But in, in terms of you know the top 50, for example, it's um, a level playing field. But you get to that top eight, you get the opportunity to pile on some big, big points on top of what you've already earned that year. And that sets you up really nicely for the following year because those points won't drop off until the end of the year. So you've got that little bit of cushioning. You want to keep your spot in the top 10. Uh, and I tell you what, that's a way to do it. It's absolutely huge and actually that year of Pablo Carini Buster if anyone wants to know when my um, picks and predictions went <laughs> awry <laughs> it was that year because before the tournament started PCB was an alternate as you said yep. and I picked him to win I picked him oh, you to did. come in I as an alternate this. and win the whole thing and then which he didn't by the way uh, well, no, I got halfway there he came because yeah, I'm just, Nadal, just pull, Nadal pulled out he came in for Nadal and I was saying guys this is it he's going to win the next two matches he's going to go through he's going to win the whole thing it didn't happen it didn't work but out he played. no but you got the fact that he played because everyone's got like in. oh that's a ridiculous well prediction. they were saying he's not even in the yeah, tournament no, exactly I'm like, he will be no it was, he wasn't player of the doesn't year doesn't need the first but he did well <laughs> he didn't come out on top and only I can't speak for Turin, because none of us have been there, because it hasn't been there. But like, they also get their own dressing rooms. You know, it's, it's very different. You've got they've got their, their big picture, sort of floor to ceiling, 
of, of them and their name, individual dressing rooms, the walkout, the, in London you had the smoke, the music. It's like watching tennis in a nightclub. It was, it was, we loved the music. Every year we loved the oh, music. I oh, I love the music good. so much. It's just, it's, it's very different and it's, it's very special. And we saw what it meant to Diego Schwartzman to be there and Andre Rublev's there for the first time. And it's just, it's a, it's a big occasion. And I know it's going to be slightly different. I mean, I assume Novak Djokovic will play. I mean... I, mm. I'd, if I he can, I'm sure he will. But you know, there, there might be an argument to say, well, I just don't want to. I'm going to take this time off and get ready for Australia. If he goes to Australia, depending on restrictions, etc., maybe he'll look at the race for number one and Medvedev closing in. I don't know, but he doesn't essentially need to play. But in the past, you've had kind of Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, Murray, yeah, and a few, and it's been. I'm not saying it's not going to be as special, but it's a it's a big, big event, and I just yeah, I find it interesting how. It affects the players as they suddenly think, I could actually do this. Yeah, and there's always that sort of weird element to it as well. And we see this with um, a couple of players, especially the ones that take that eighth spot, apart from Jack Sock, who had a flyer and reached the semis. (laughs) But you have an unbelievable year. You've reached, reached the top eight. You've just nicked that last eight spot at the very last second. You've got there. Huge achievement. Everything you were saying, the light show, the dressing room, you're treated like a king, all of that sort of stuff. And then for some players, they get absolutely thumped in every single match yeah, they play. They do. And they, they, they do because you're yeah. playing against the, your first match is against Federer. Your second match is against Djokovic. Your third <laughs> match is against team. And you've like barely won games. And like, it can happen, right? It, you, it's unbelievable it to think that like... And then you just feel a bit bad because that's the way they end their incredible year. <laughs> Just, just sort of like dragging their feet again. out of the going that wasn't I was so looking forward to playing and that wasn't very fun but then the prize money and the point yeah I'm sure just, it just sort of settles things hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And just to, so I, I mentioned the four that have been confirmed for Turin. The WTA finals, four players confirmed. We touched on this last week. Barty, who is not, I can't imagine she'll be there. Sabalenka, who's recovering from COVID right now. Krishikova, who just looks exhausted. I remember hearing from her coaching team, at the US Open that she was basically on fumes <laughs> bless you that she was that she was running on fumes she was pretty much empty and and Pliskova so they are the only four and then you've got Shiontek Sakari Muguruza Ons Jabur at the moment that's your eight if they went there now that would be your eight so so those players they're thinking well hang on a second what do I need to do something like Ons Jabur who, who breaks record after record she keeps going into the history books for what she's achieving imagine if she were to go through and take her place in the tour for, I mean look, these are these are big events that mean mean an awful lot so we're, we'll um, we'll keep an eye on we're both working on the tour finals so we'll yes. be able to give a little insight around that another of my favorite quotes today Dmitry Tersnov I mean he's good with a quote now he's working with Annette Kontovet, um on the WTA side of things and he did work some work with Aslan Karatsev back in the day so he was asked about Aslan Karatsev this was on the ATP website so it was based around Karatsev and it was 
Did you always know? I'm sure this is what every person who's ever coached Emma Raducanu has been asked. Did you always see something special? Did mm. you always see the potential? And he started the answer with, well, he's always had big calves. <laughs> well, there you go. That was the start. And he said, uh, okay. And then he went on to say they should probably have their own sponsor. They're so big, you could sponsor each calf. Eventually, he talked about the potential of Aslan Karatsev. But he started, he started with the size of the man's calves. Well... You know, it is fairly striking, I suppose, from him. I'm not really sure how much it impacts his tennis, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but, yeah, it, it is, it's just awesome to see these breakthroughs. And that's why we love sports so much. Because, you know, you do have the stalwarts and the, the players that are just so experienced and do so well week in, week out. But to have these runs, that's what we love getting behind. I mean, you think about the run of Marco Cecchinato and in a in the French Open and Tennis Sangrin at the Australian Open. I mean, they've been sort of all over the place. That's just the men's, of course, the women's, uh, you know, phenomenal. We have these runs like Emma <laughs> through to winning the slam. So, yeah, it's it's good fun. And for me, I feel like that's what, what makes sport, you know. Like, I know we have the, seed, the seeding system and people always talk about that saying, well, we want the best players at the end of the tournament. Oh, we, we love an upset, that's for sure. We want some of the best players at the end of the tournament, but it's always nice when uh, somebody else manages to break well, through. Well, I think it's just been, I think it's, it's just been a wonderful year. In terms it has. Of, it's been fab. In terms of the stories and, and I like the way... I like the way that it's it spread out over both tours and we're talking about the WTA tour as much as we're talking about the ATP tour, although it's my case and it's kind of largely yours. We do a lot of our work on the ATP side of things, but I love the way um, I'm listening to an interview with, with Brad Stein, who's now working with Jennifer Brady. And he was giving an interview and Jennifer Brady said, I'd like to work with you, Brad. And he said, just to let you know, I don't know anything about the women's tour. I don't know anything about the players. And she went, perfect. That's mm. absolutely perfect. I can deal with the women. You just make my game better. And, and I really like, and we've seen this with Jen Brady, she took herself out of a situation in Florida. She went to Germany. She overhauled everything. She gets the final in Australia. And I like, I like that kind of thinking. Because he was like, I might not be the right person for you. Because she went, no, not a problem. I know the players. I know what they're like. I know what they do. You just work on me and I'll deal with them. Well, it's taking responsibility herself, saying that, you know, she's now very well established at the top of the game, has lots of experience, knows a lot of the players inside out. And she's right. You know, that's that's her expertise. You don't really need somebody to come in who knows all the stuff that you know. You want somebody to add to your, your insight. It's a collaboration when you're at that level between player and coach. It's not sort of finding a coach and then looking at them and saying, OK, make me make me number one in the world it just doesn't work like that I mean the, the majority has to come from you as a player and that's just guidance yeah. that you're getting so yeah it's uh, for me it's always much more effective when it is a proper collaboration you feel like they're sort of sitting down working things out on the same page moving forward and sometimes you do see the coaching which is a bit more dictatorial and you, we see a lot of that with juniors uh, for sure and I think that's a bit more natural that it, I, I don't like it myself, but it, it, you can understand how it's a bit more like that. But for for these women, absolutely. I mean, barely anyone knows more about the women's tour than, than Jen Brady. Okay, she's relatively new. Okay, the more experienced players maybe do. But, um, yeah, she's got that covered. Talking about juniors, I've had a couple of mums come up to me. I don't know why they're asking me. I mean, I work in tennis. I don't run um, tennis clubs around the local area where I live. A couple of mums come up to me going, how do I get onto a tennis course? And I'm like, well, there's no room. That people are fighting 
to get their children. There's a, there's a, there's a club near us, and on a Saturday they do a drop and hit, drop and play, drop and play tennis or something like that. And it's pay as you go. You do it each week. There's always spaces. It's booked up for, I want to say, the rest of the year. And yeah. And mothers are saying, normally I could, you know, I don't know whether to book it. I don't know whether she'll like it, but this, this, and it's, look, it's great to see that they're picking up rackets and maybe it'll die down. And of course, loads will drop by the wayside and this will wear off. But yeah, a couple of mums saying, how do I get on a test? I'm like, I, 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 just, I feel like such a disappointment because I don't know. I have no, you know, I can't wander in saying, oh, excuse me, can this, it's just people want to play tennis at the moment, which is, which is fantastic. You drive past the tennis clubs and the courts are being used. And that's, yeah. that's the nicest thing to see, that the courts, and sometimes around the area where I live, there are empty courts. Every one of them's out there, and, and children are talking about it. And It just made, when you said about the juniors, that there has been this, this uplift in tennis. And, th- and this is exactly, and you still working heavily within tennis. I mean, I work in tennis on the media side of things, but you're more involved in it. For you now, you want to see this sort of grab, taken, developed, and actually lead to something. It's a huge moment for British tennis. Mm. It's absolutely huge. You picked up a singles grand slam. It's Player massive. Of the year. Mm. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. We'll see. Um, yeah, but I think, yeah, it's it's amazing to see. And I, I see the same thing. I'll be out first thing in the morning walking dog and baby at 7 a.m., half past seven, and there's, you know, the courts are full. It, it's a, it's unbelievable. The park courts is what I'm talking about. It's huge. We've got big investment going on. So it's all fantastic. We normally get that that spike after Wimbledon every year. So pretty much for the rest of July, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe for a week you into August, about a month, the courts are round. Everybody wants to play tennis. They've been inspired by Wimbledon. It's one of the biggest events um, of the year, uh, full stop. So, uh, yeah, we get that little lift, but it, it fades pretty quickly uh, most most years um so it'll be interesting to see whether this one sticks a bit more so how, how does it stick is it the investment is it making courts accessible if you had to i don't know do a three-point plan to to make the most of this boost we've had with emma Raducanu winning what is what are the three in your mind and you'll say look i'm not speaking for everyone but if if you were tennis czar what would be your top three things? Firstly, I am tennis czar. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right then, okay. What's going to happen? <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's difficult really. I mean, there are different ways that you can you can go with it. Um, for me, there is, there's inspiration for people to play and to increase participation. That's one area to look at. But there's also inspiration for the people who are already playing and for kids who are maybe county standard players and they play two, three times a week, they play a little bit of competition. It's inspiration for them to play more, to commit more and yeah. to dedicate more to something they already really enjoy and have a good skill level in. So there's, there's two ways to look at it, really. I mean, I would focus a lot on the people that we already have in the sport that are already playing it and under, you know getting them to understand that you know you can have this fantastic career and the skills that you can learn and and uh, you know Emma being such a great role model for people in British tennis um, and to do that you need a lot more tournaments and, and competition because if people want to compete they've got to be able to get there easily play at the right level that sort of thing and then um, really look at it like that it's 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 very easy to only look at sort of participation numbers and um participation numbers are very important we want people to be playing tennis and even if they're really casual players and that's what we see in that post wimbledon boost it's very much sort of casual adults that decide oh i fancy a game of tennis lovely weather today we just watch wimbledon (laughs) 
I can do that, whatever. And <laughs> off they go and find out they can't. And then they never play again <laughs> because it was really difficult. Maybe that's how it goes. Um, so, yeah, I think, yeah, the, the inspiration level is, is sort of different. And, you know, I'm always very much... Yeah, particularly somebody like Emma who's so relatable or role model I'd be looking at sort of the early teen girls that we've got that are playing to sort of a county level national level and how can we spur them on to go all right well mm. she's done it that means I can do it because a lot of a lot of people want to they just don't really believe that they can or they don't think that it's possible for whatever reason and um uh yeah so I think that would be a, a really that was that's where I would would focus but I you know you'd also have to have a team focusing on schools and everybody that is desperate to play mm. on a court be able to play on a court and you know unfortunately we've got winter coming and you know indoor facilities are very limited and very expensive so it becomes a little bit more difficult but luckily we had really good weather in september post us open so we it's did get still a really nice. good boost yeah it's been really nice actually already really nice autumnal it's been warm enough i think to yeah. uh, to play and dry enough more importantly so i mean it, it's complicated it's not as straightforward as you know, we should just have this massive boost. You look at other sports, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily always work like that. You know, you have to try and make it into what you can. And as I say, I'd have sort of the an approach looking at two different areas. Do you think or do you know if we lost a lot of players through COVID? Because it was a time where players, and I'm talking the, the lower rungs who were professionals, couldn't get into tournaments because in terms of ranking, everyone wanted to get into tournaments, tournaments they could get into, they couldn't travel. I touched on only the cost, they were having to play five, six hundred pounds to come back and quarantine and take tests and then go out again. So do you, you feel we might have so not lost a generation, but lost a, a layer of talent, a layer of players because of everything in the, the pandemic? We lost a few. Um, but I don't think we lost massive. I mean, to be honest, it is still not great for players ranked outside 200 in terms of tournaments. It's still limited in comparison to what it was before. Yeah. People are working as hard as they can to put on these tournaments safely. They're already very expensive to do. It's a big investment for whoever's putting on the tournament, and it's now just got a lot more expensive with all of the regulations that have come in. So, um, you know, it can be it can be very very tricky. So, you know, you do feel for the players who are in that sort of ranking bracket and they've had to rely on more domestic events and in the UK they've been playing domestic events but plenty of nations don't have a lot of domestic mm. events you know we're we're lucky that you know we do have um, some tournaments that players can play and actually a lot of them were born out of the the pandemic because players needed something to do so they sort of created everything but it's uh yeah it's it's not easy for for that group and and we have lost some players uh because you know it, it's tough going at the best of times and it obviously became completely unsustainable um but no, i don't think we we lost a a massive chunk really because also the thing is is like below 300 you're not earning any money you're spending money when you go to tournaments so when you if you stop going to tournaments you st- you've stopped spending money so financially you're actually, actually better, you're better off, off aren't you of course yeah. you are yeah no yeah. i mean everybody is sent you you know but talk about the expenses ultimately if you're going to a tournament it's it's just like paying for a holiday because you're paying for a hotel you're paying for food and flights and then what you're earning is is not a lot you know you're going to earn a couple of hundred dollars if you if you do okay i mean i think first round when i was playing first round of a 10k i think it was 40 pounds or something really yeah something like that so you know the majority of players week to week aren't making money um, even if you win, especially as I say, 10k, 15k level 
you might break even. Um, but yeah, the players ranked 300 and lower are not making money versus their expenses in a year. And that's without coaches and all sorts going on. So to not be competing, whilst yes, it's very difficult f- for everybody, they're not, you know, they're not worse off, if you know what I mean. Would you still like baby Fernando to be a pumpkin for Halloween? Yes. Okay. I've got a, I was slightly sidetracked from finding the pumpkin costume because my, the youngest of the twins said, can I be a pumpkin for Halloween? And this is a different pumpkin outfit. And I got him one last year. He's grown a lot. It's sort of a, it's like a big round, you put it over your head, put your arms Does through it. it. look like a pumpkin? Yeah. Right. But it, okay. it doesn't cover orange? the whole body. Round? Orange round, orange but, it, but, it's, no. but in terms of you know, it's sort of it's like um, a pumpkin. It's like, it's like a ball with legs and arms. Yeah, it's a pumpkin. Yeah, yeah it's a pumpkin. Well, what else would it be? Well, just some. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's not just going to have to like sit in a ball all day. Well, no, he's like, allowed to walk. It, some people might have just dressed all in orange. I don't know. It's like a ball thing. And he said, "Can I be a pumpkin again?" I said, "Oh God!" And he said, "I think we've still got the pumpkin costume from last year. He's had a few growth spurts, so we tried it on, and it's like um." It's like a it's like a mini skirt now. So you put the pumpkin on him, and it, it doesn't it doesn't go over his bottom. It, it like comes up to his midriff. And I, I so I was saying to him, maybe you shouldn't be a pumpkin because I mean, it looks a bit daft. I said, what about a skeleton? He's like, oh, I don't know a skeleton. So I bought his brother a skeleton onesie to be a skeleton, and now he wants to be a skeleton. And now the skeletons have run out. I mean, these are these are very minor things, but when you're dealing it with working with little sleep, these are very difficult things. So now I've got to find another skeleton because the pumpkin is it's a little it's a little bit embarrassing it's a little bit short yeah it's trying to make something pretty good though yeah well i can't it's much easier because you just have to wear a top and trousers with a skeleton printed on it yeah so it's easy until you get to the bit where you need a skeleton you don't have to wear a ball (laughs) no but you've got to have a skeleton printed on it can't just want i mean there's a i because i was never into kind of I don't like fancy dress. Do you like fancy dress? No. Can't stand it. So I don't know if I've ever if, done it, really. I don't think I've ever. Maybe once. <laughs> so if you said to me, I'm having a very important birthday party for, for whatever it is, it's fancy dress, I wouldn't be there. And no, no, don't look at me like that. Would I, you not just come without dressing up? Though? No, because that, I think that looks even worse. Because then everyone's like, everyone's like, oh, look at that. He's made an effort. And so I just, I'd make any excuse. I don't know what, it, I'd, I'd think of something. And I just, I can't, do fa- I can't do fancy dress. I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair enough. It's, it's. I, I don't find it fun. So my heart sinks when they say there's this birthday for whatever, and you're like, it's the theme is, and you're like, no, there's no theme. For so, kids, it's fun though. No, for kids, it's fun. But but what I'm saying is, therefore, when Halloween comes around, they're like completely going bonkers with Halloween and wanting to dress up and do all these things. And I'm like, they're like, mummy, are you dressing up? And I was like, mm. Just mm. wear black trousers and a black jumper. Just or put on a hat, a witch's hat. Ah, like, oh, okay, that, I, could, I could just do that. So I'm in the midst of working Indian Wells hours, trying to bring together some some Halloween costumes because they are they are so excited. And and normally I would have been to the U.S. Open. Normally we covered it remotely. Yeah. And in America, Halloween is it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's a lot bigger than it it's is. It's enormous. Yeah. So when I go out for the US Open, despite the time of year, you go into the shops and there's so much Halloween stuff. There is incredible Halloween stuff yeah. from, from sweets to accessories to costumes. So I've normally kind of done that every year. So I've had to. Oh, is it going to be a disappointment this year? Yeah, a little bit. I'm having <laughs> to. I'm not going to make anything. I'm, I, I haven't resorted to that, but it's just it's 
putting pieces together, but I have got rid of the, the pumpkin just looks silly. I was trying to tell him, he's like, does it look good? I was like, you don't want to, you know, crush him. I was like, well, maybe we could, but it doesn't. Yeah. Maybe we could go down another road. So that pumpkin's got, that's too big for your child though. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Swamp him. I don't <laughs> think he'd have arms. Well, I just put him in the pumpkin. Yeah, you, you just could. Get lost in just, there. Yeah, you just sit in there for a while. Yeah, and say so he's like the lantern. He could hold like a little yeah. candle. Yeah, and he could be. That'd be amazing. Sweet. So I am on the hunt for your for your pumpkin for Halloween. Cool. I know I'm running out of time. Can't wait. Just give me a little bit of sleep, and you'll have your pumpkin. Can't wait. Right. Okay. And player of the year is <laughs> Ash Barty. <laughs>